he, uh, by the end of that conversation, we went to Genesis 50. He had had uh, business partners just stab him in the back, take some of his proprietary information. And, um, and it was all illegal because he had an ironclad no-compete clause, but he did not sue them. Um, and in fact, his response uh, after he got saved that night was so godly that one of his business partners was going to meet him for lunch and say, well, well how did you respond that way? Because I would have cussed all of us out. And uh, Josh said, I'm different now. Um, so uh, yeah, uh, just unbelievable, unbelievable. He's 38 years old, uh, all he pursued, all he cared about was worldly things, uh, money. And he had a, you know, he's got a million dollar house in Dallas, he's got his own business. But God drove him to his knees, brought him to the end of himself. And, and so we, we kind of went through this gospel and we also uh, went through Genesis 50 about, the, uh, about J uh, Joseph and what he experienced with his brothers. And I said, Josh, uh, at the end of Joseph's life, when he said to his brothers, you all meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. That's exactly what God is doing in your life. Those men meant it for evil, but God meant it for good to bring you to this point. Would you get on your knees and receive Christ? He said, yes. And I'm crying. <laughs> Lynn's crying. I mean, it was like, I'm, I'm going, this is Josh, you know. And we're just shocked. Some of you might have family members, and you're like, oh, they'll never, they'll never see. And I'm, that was kind of the way it was. But uh, one thing that Lynn and I do um, for our unsaved kids, and thankfully we're down to two that we can tell, um, out of eight, uh, is pray, God, whatever it takes, whatever it takes, uh, draw them to Christ, please, whatever it takes. And we, des we do mean that. People say, well, what if, what if they're crippled for life? And I'm like, so? That's life. Eternity is eternity. Uh, we, whatever it takes. So if you have the courage to pray that, just watch what the Lord does. Watch what he does, and we've seen him do that in that one, and another one that isn't here today. We've got his grand, our grandkids with us. Uh, he too, um, because he's going through a divorce, uh, has been brought to Christ, and it's very real. And so, um, yeah, he's. Uh, is there? You can come in. Yeah, you can come over here if you want. Yeah. Um, so he too is here every single Sunday. So we're down to two. Um, and we're praying the same thing, whatever it takes. Good to see you, man. Um, so it's, it's wonderful. It's just wonderful to see how God works. So I want to be sure you understand the gospel because when this, when this time ends and you um, are thinking, okay, I want to be a member of the church, one of the things we'll talk to you about in that interview process is your testimony. We want to make sure you understand the gospel. We want to make sure you understand who Christ is, that you've received him as your Lord and Savior. And if you're not sure, please come and talk to me. I'll meet you anywhere, anytime, and we'll talk through that process. But that's one of the things uh, I say. I, I've never done, I've only done this twice now up front, giving you the gospel, because we have had that interview process and, and run into people that really didn't understand the gospel, and we've had to backpedal a little bit um, and, and have them mentor, be mentored by someone. Uh, and then they do understand the gospel, they believe the gospel, and then we, we can go forward with church membership. So, just so that's clear. Okay, um, we got your name tags, not everybody, but next week, hopefully. Um, has everybody signed the attendance sheet? They haven't. Okay. Uh, did you get it? You got it already? Okay. If you have not signed it, just put your hand up so they can, if your name's not on it. Yeah, your, your name's on it, so I want to get it to you. Um, Okay, 
And again, for those that came in late, we require four. We prefer six, obviously, because we do feel like all six are important. Um, and okay, uh, so let's just, uh, we, we got a lot of folks here today. So let's do this rather quickly. Uh, we'll start with you, Luke. We'll go this way and then come back this way. Uh, just tell us your name and how long you've been coming. Uh, my name is Luke. I've been coming to MCC for about two years now. Thanks, Luke. Uh, my name is Jimmy. I've been coming for about 18 years now. Yeah, and uh, that's almost his entire life. But anyway, <laughs> he was a wee lad, a wee lad. <laughs> yes. Mike, been here for two weeks. Two weeks? All right. Are, are you Mike McNutt? Yeah. Oh, okay. I, I saw you come in on Friday, and Dan... Dan uh, was going to introduce me, but I got tied up with somebody else. Nice to have you. Two weeks. Wow. I'm Chris, and we've been here two weeks. Yeah, you're kind of together, right? <laughs> Mike and Chris, nice to meet you both. Yeah. Emerson? Okay. We might need one more chair over here. Yeah. We can come up front. We're good. Uh, they're together, so we want to keep them together, right? <laughs> yeah. All right. Um, okay, Emerson, you've been here how many months? A couple of months. Also. Yeah, and you're you're also uh, related to Ryan and Rachel Baring, whom I had the privilege of interviewing. Oh, maybe I don't know, months ago, six, seven, four, five. I don't know. I've lost track. Janet, it's so good to see you. <laughs> Thank you. My name yeah. is Janet Fisher. <clears throat> I've been coming about six years. Janet Fisher. Yeah, and we're really, really <laughs> glad you're in the class. Thank you for coming. Yep, uh, Erwin. Steve Erwin. Uh, we, my wife and I, we've been there about four years. And Maymay. Maymay, I love that. Maymay, it's so easy. <laughs> Maymay, <laughs> it's easy. And uh, yeah, you all thought Steve Irwin died in that, in that member, the guy with the, yeah, he didn't. He made it, but he's incognito. Yeah, back in the back. Joseph, Hey, Joseph. Daddy Van Noel. Eight years. So, uh, Alex must have sent you an email and said, all right, I'm a little kick in the rear, right? <laughs> We're really glad you guys are both here. Uh, they are wonderful servants in our church. And Lynn, we hope we'll meet you in a little bit. My name's Courtney. I've been here. First name again? Courtney. Hi, Courtney. Yeah. And Rex? Rex, probably about 30 Yeah, yeah, 30. I've known Rex forever, uh, back when we were both healthy and young. <laughs> I'm Sandy Pace, and I've been coming here off and on for about 18 years. Yeah, it's good to see you, Sammy. My name's Holly Hoffman, and um, I was here for about five years before the renovation, and then we could get a church closer to home, and I'm coming back. Now you're back. Happy to have you. Hi, good morning. I'm Marcos Duarte. I've been coming for a little over a couple of years. I'm Margaret Crook. Charles Cook. Couple, couple, of, couple of crooks there. I bet you've never heard any jokes at all. I had somebody on my route named Pig, and I, and I put my hand up, and he goes, don't even say it. <laughs> so, oh, I got so many, you know? <laughs> never mind. <laughs> Lindsay? Oh, I'm Lindsay. I've been coming about two months. And Lindsay's married to Alan Buckle. Some of you might know Alan, and uh, they blended a family, and we are really, really glad you're here. Okay. Susan, it's good to see you. Yeah, Mitchell Roberts, I've been here for about a year. 
How many? Three? Three. Chris Hansen, uh, my family and I have been coming here for about three and a half years. Yeah, you might recognize the name. His dad is Doug. He teaches the kids. If you have a kid, yeah, his dad has touched their lives. Yeah. I'm Dan Marquez. I've been coming for a few months. Dan, good to have you. Anna and Marie Pruitt, we've been here for a little over a year. Great. Okay, I think the, the, the youngest here, two months, right? Two, uh, two weeks. Two weeks. Two, you win. Two weeks. They even beat. They even beat you guys, and then I think Rex wins with thirty years. <laughs> all right, uh, all right. So you, you probably uh, want to know who I am. I, my name is Doug. Um, I've been an elder here since 2018. So um, we were we went through a difficult time to, in 2018, and I was kind of dropped in the middle of that. So I I was baptized by fire, um, and uh, when I first became an elder. Uh, one of the previous elders from another church in uh, the Northeast uh, came up to me. He's now back to that church, and he's an elder there. But anyway, uh, what was his name? Anthony? Not Anthony. He's in, he's in California. Um, uh, Melissa. Um, what's do you remember? Yeah, well, what's his name, which is most of the people I know, yeah. <laughs> You'll think of it. Anyway, he comes up to me, and at that time, they laid hands on me, which was an uh, unbelievable experience. When that happened, they brought my son, um, my wife was plotting uh, the whole time, brought my son, his wife, and five kids in uh, and surprised me. Uh, and right outside that door is when I turned the corner after the first service because they had done it twice. They laid hands on me twice, first service, second service. And he was there, and I just broke down, sobbing. And somebody caught that on as a picture. And it's currently, he's a pastor now and has been in Austin, Texas, and that's prominently displayed on his desk. Now, that picture of me just, uh, you know, just <laughs> could not believe he was here, just so excited. So I was dropped in the middle of a difficult time, uh, actually just, uh, so it was pre-COVID, and this guy came up to me uh, when they brought me forward just to, to introduce myself to people, and he came up and he goes, ho, 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 ho. Now any elder knows <laughs> what that means, right? <laughs> I know Emerson was in the previous church, right? Ho, 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 ho. I'm like, well, first tell me your name and stop being Santa Claus right now. Just say, Pete, Pete and Melissa, what's his name? Yeah, we're getting there, uh, middle of the night. Monahan? No, Monahan, yeah. They don't care, and they don't know. So we could be all wrong. Yeah, so yeah, Pete wouldn't stop. He just, oh, I'm like, what's your name? My name's Pete. All right, what's, what are you saying? He goes, oh, all I can say is, buckle up. <laughs> it's good to know you, Pete. Hilarious guy. I love him, and I wish he was still here. You would love him, too, but that was my introduction to, to being an elder. Um, and so um, I, I've been an elder for five years now, and um, I really, truly have uh, enjoyed every minute of it. I, I'm retired. I've been retired since uh, 2016, and I thought, um, how could I best serve this church that has done so much for Lynn and I and our family? Uh, and they had asked me before to be an elder, and I said no for various reasons primarily because I feel uh, so tremendously inadequate for this job, still do. 
Uh, and I've just decided that's exactly where the Lord wants me. Um, is I'm much more dependent on Him. And it was my own son who rebuked me and finally said, Dad, get over yourself. You are inadequate. Christ is your adequacy. Um, trust Him. And I said, okay, all right. Out of the mouths of babes, uh, I, I, I will. And so I've uh, been an elder for that long. Um, but my, my journey began in 1989 when I walked through those doors, not these doors, we were, uh, Rexy, I don't know if you were even here that, at that time, we were at the Henry VIII Lodge. Um, I walked through those doors and Jerry had started a church, Sherry Marshall, uh, with 30 people and I heard about it from a neighbor. So I was there on week two. Um, did not bring my kids, um, but um, after, I, after I determined, I heard Jerry, I'm like, okay, that's what I'm looking for, solid, solid preaching. Back it up just a little bit further. I went through a divorce in 1990. I was in the process in 1989. I had five kids, and uh, we have a joint legal and physical um, arrangement. I've I know of no one that has that with no guidelines. The judge was okay with that because we'd been doing it for a year. But I went through a divorce I did not want. Um, um, it was determined. Uh, pretty clearly that it was a biblical uh, divorce on my part, meaning um, uh, the Lord graciously in His kindness allows me to remarry. Um, and so in 1989, I walked through those doors a pretty broken man with five very needy kids. And all I could do was pray, God have mercy. God, please have mercy. Have mercy on my kids. They could go uh, a number of ways. and. And uh, they could be openly defiant, rebellion, and hate God, or, or Lord, they could, their pain could draw them to the cross. So please uh, have mercy. And that was my two-word prayer for years and years, have mercy. Um, my youngest son, who is the pastor, uh, just to give you an idea of the hurt in their heart, and m many of you know this too uh, in your own lives, Josh, um, I was putting him to bed one night, and he said, um, hey, um, do you think mom could move back in uh, here? And I said, well, Josh, she's, she's married now. And he says, yeah, but couldn't, couldn't Vince sleep on the, on the couch? And then you and mom could have the bed? I said, oh, and you know, you're smiling and you're crying at the same time because he just wants to put his life back together. Um, so that's... That's what I was dealing with, and you who have gone through divorce know what that's like. Um, you ache for your children, but you cannot fix them. Uh, you can, but what you can do, and I just recently did a podcast on this. Uh, we got a couple of guys in our church that do a podcast, and it's a, kind of a random whatever topic comes up. Uh, Josh Reed and Scott Van Slyke do this podcast called Triple Play, I think. Scott was a, a, basketball, I mean, a baseball player, so that's the name. And, uh, and they, it was on divorce. And they asked me, what one piece of advice would you give to divorced parents? And I said, oh, it's easy. Here it is. And this is first. Everything else is a distant second. Get your kids in a good, solid church where they're taught and loved by other people because you need that community. That's my best advice for those of you out there who, have single, who are single parents uh, get your kids in a good church. So that's what, that's what I did, and this church um, 
when I came in, this church was that church, loving, kind, helpful, um, so good to m me, my kids. My daughter Janie goes here. Some of you might know who she is. Um, she would come in with her hair disheveled, and one of the women would whisk her off into the bathroom and fix her hair. And I'm like, thank you. I'm no good at this. So um, they were just so helpful. That's the way it was. And one of them kind of adopted Janie as a surrogate mom just to be a wonderful influence in her life. And, um, and the other guys, too. Uh, we had young men come over all the time to my house and interact with my boys. I had four boys and a girl, Josh, Jesse, well, I'm sorry, Justin, Jesse, Jeremy, Josh, Janie. You see a pattern there? Justin, Jesse, Jeremy, Josh, and Janie. Normally, Jesse is here with, with Lynn and I. Jesse is our second son. And then we have, I'll, I'll tell you about Lynn in a minute. Um, and Jesse has cerebral palsy and is uh, kind of slow mentally, um, but the sweetest kid on the planet and has taught me, um, I think Lynn would agree, taught us both things far beyond what the other kids could teach us in terms of contentment of life. He has his own apartment. He uh, works at Mercy Hospital. He's been there 22 years. He's ready to go every day. Hardly ever, ever is sick. And uh, he's just a great kid. So he's taught us a lot about life. And then, so I came, I was here for years. I started going to a ministry called Fresh Start. And uh, that's where I met Lynn. She was in my small group and she was sitting like this. <laughs> because she didn't want a man leading that small group. Her husband had left her, and she was not a happy camper, could hardly even say the word divorce. I'm, I'm, d d d that was kind of the way it was. Not married. <laughs> not married, yeah, right. So that's how we met. We dated off and on. I was uh, deathly afraid of taking on three more kids. She has three, Josh, Emily, and Jared. And Josh is the one that I just told you about who recently came to Christ, and same with Jared. Uh, we're still working on them, um, who just told us this week she's having twins. <laughs> oh, the Lord is so humorous. <laughs> yes, it's so ironic. But uh, we're, we're loving this. And uh, so um, Lynn and I dated off and on. Uh, if you ever want to hear the whole story, it's a false story, but you'll hear it from Lynn's side uh, uh, about the fact that I broke up with her three times, one time on Christmas, on Christmas via letter. Yeah. Uh, and the ladies go, oh, you've got to be kidding me. No, no, she's not kidding. So um, anyway, uh, I was really afraid of having three more kids. And it was one night um, shortly after that third breakup where uh, the Lord just uh, closed in on me, my sense of loneliness. I, and I remember I had five kids. I was deeply involved in this church. Uh, I was serving in various aspects. Uh, lots of friends. So it's not like I didn't have people around me, but I just, I just had this, this crushing loneliness. Uh, and I'm grateful for that, uh, for that experience. I think it's given me an empathy for those of you that feel a crushing loneliness sometimes. And I just cried out to the Lord. I said, I, and it was like, you know, uh, what's, what is it, the uh, minions of... Light the bulb. Yeah, I love that. To light the bulb. Uh, where I, I, I was like, wait, wait Doug, you, you've broken up three times with a girl who loves Christ, is not afraid of your five. What are you thinking? And I picked up the phone one last time, thinking she was going to 
boom. You know, back then we had those kind of phones. Uh, and, and she did not hang up on me. Um, I said, would you want to maybe, you know, if, only if you want, kind of go out one more time? And she said, okay. Uh, yeah. And she agreed. Um, but she knew something was different uh, on that particular date because I had gotten over my fear. I really had. I, I thought, I am not going to live my life by fear anymore. Yes, it's a risk. Yes, it could be hard. And it has been. Right, Lynn? It's hard, uh, blending a family. Um, but the Lord has um, brought us closer and closer and closer over time. Um, we're grateful for all eight of our kids. Um, and I and the reason, yeah, the reason she knew something was different is because I had never once in all our dating kissed her, never once. I always told her that's a big deal to me. I don't, I'm not going to do that. Um, tried to have some boundaries, and I just said I won't do that. Um, it'll mean something if that ever happens. And that night I kissed her, and she's like, Ugh. <laughs> So she knew something flipped. And I even tell kids today, don't kiss. So I don't take that as, <laughs> you know, I was, I was kind of feeling my way and uh, not sure what to do, what not to do. I have pretty strong opinions about that today and have advised young people strongly about that. But because it's progressive, it always moves to something else. But she knew something was different. And she knew, all right, Doug's serious this time. Uh, he's not going to give me that couch talk, you know. Uh, well, I don't think it's going to work out. So, uh, but, uh, so in 1997, uh, April 12th, Lynn and I got married and blended that family. Um, so that's my story. Um, I want Lynn to tell a portion of hers. Uh, the reason I, I, we don't, don't normally have the wives of the guys that we bring in. We, we try to get you introduced to all the elders. Uh, sometimes it doesn't work out, uh, but we usually don't do their wives because we don't have the time. But I, I think Lynn has something compelling to say to perhaps some of you about her testimony. So I'll let you come and tell your story. This is, this is my much, much better half. Yeah, you want to hide behind this or do you, you, you okay? All right. I like to hide. Yeah. So, um, my, uh, my story is, one, um, he didn't say this, but our daughter who's having the twins has a 10-month-old baby at home right now. <laughs> so she's joining the three under two club. So this will be our 19th and 20th grandchild. So, yeah, and she lives in New Hampshire, so. Okay, that was our news this week. Um, plus, we babysat our grandchildren for the weekend, so getting here today was, you forget how hard it is. <laughs> Trying to get little people Bless ready. you with kids. Yeah. <laughs> we almost, one of us almost killed the other, but we got in here and we're okay. <laughs> yeah, it was good for the grandchildren to see us confess. <laughs> so, um, I, first of all, was um, a nurse. I retired in, this, in January of this past year as an oncology nurse for about 45 years. And I am so happy I'm retired because this really just given me an opportunity to serve alongside of Doug, serve our children, and to get involved in ministry events that I normally wouldn't be able to. Secondly, um, when I was dating Doug or interested in Doug, um, I was at a church called Twin Oaks. That's where I was. And my husband, my first husband, left me when I had a six-week-old, a 
15 month old and a three year old. Mm -hmm. And I didn't have to work and I had a nice home and I drove a fancy car and my world just got blown up. And so fortunately, I mean, the Lord was good, but I was able to get a job, go back to work. I had people to babysit and so it all, you know, was good. But <clears throat> it developed in me a sense of self-sufficiency and pride that was really, I loved, <clears throat> but hard to let go of. And so when I was at Twin Oaks, everybody loved me. And I was the single gal with the three kids who was faithful and there all the time. And so Doug and I got married and it was a very difficult decision for me to leave my church and come to his church where everybody loved Doug. And I was like, well, they all love him, they all love me. And it was very, very painful. And so I say this because I know it is really hard for people to leave where they're comfortable and come either by themselves, but even I think more difficult when you come with your spouse because that's where we're called to be. And I was very, very, very rebellious. I was here, I was in the nursery. I loved working in the nursery because that's where I could hide. Um, <clears throat> but I came to church and I left. I would be in the car waiting for Doug. I was like, this is not where I belong. I belong in my other church. And it was really a hard, hard thing. And I say that again because the Lord had to break me um, of my rebellion and my pride and my self-sufficiency to say, no, you are here and you are here to serve alongside of him. And so that happened. And it's been a blessing because I have been able to do that. And the Lord has blessed our marriage, it's blessed our ministry together, but <clears throat> my story is, it's hard and I get it. And so I just want to be empathetic to any of you who are coming from a new place, you didn't really wanna leave, but you thought you should, or maybe you're here because your husband moved you from another state. And I get that. So um, I just wanna tell you, it will get better. You've gotta trust the Lord. He will bless you. This is a great church, and he's done nothing but bless us and make us a good team. <clears throat> okay? That's wonderful. Okay. Thank you. Yeah, I'll tell you the, the time when I knew God had broken Lynn. <laughs> when that happened. was uh, And it was very painful for me because... I was uh, leading college and career, <clears throat> and I love these kids. <clears throat> I had a great ministry with them, but I really wanted Lynn alongside me, and she just wouldn't do it. Um, and my my heart throb was to have my wife by my side. And uh, as she said, it was you know just she was mad um, until God broke her, and I knew that happened when I was at my kitchen um, island sitting there and she came up and said, I want to go to college and career with you this Wednesday. And I looked at her like, what? <laughs> really? <laughs> Seriously? And I sobbed like a baby because I knew God had done something. And so 
most of you know Lynn the way she is today, and uh, I would not be up here speaking to you if she wasn't the way she is today. God um, gave me a wonderful helpmate, a brand new wife, um, and I couldn't do what I do without her. Could not do what I do without her. And uh, so I'm so grateful for what he's done. But uh, again, all that to say, some of you may be coming from a church that is uh, you love. Uh, for various reasons, you're here. Um, but it's hard, and uh, we get it. So, uh, all right, enough, enough about us. Let me, let me get into this lesson. Um, so uh, this first lesson uh, I want to talk to you about. In, uh, did you all get books? Uh, do we have extras back there? Um, okay, got a couple more. Okay, all of you should have one. Um, we have enough for you if, if there's not enough. That's okay. Uh, anybody else not have one? Okay, all right, I'll let you share. Yeah, we'll have more next week. Um, Sarah, can. all she's got to do is print them. We actually, on Tuesday, we had one person signed up for this class. And that was Luke. And that's because he and I got together for breakfast. <laughs> yeah, right? And, and all of a sudden, I see this influx. I'm like, Alex, what did you do? <laughs> I assume most of you got some kind of an email from him. No? You just showed up. I planned on it. Like, when they said it a couple weeks ago, okay. they were like, yeah, they're going to do that. I've been wanting to be a member. Oh, um, uh, I mean, I, I just, w I'm like, here's another, here's another. Ding, ding, ding. Here's another, here's another. I'm like, whoa. It went from one. So I'm really glad to see you all. I really am. It's, uh, the Lord is doing a wonderful work in this church. Um, you get to be a part of that, and it's, it's really exciting. Um, I, uh, I just sit back, the elders, there's five of us, um, Rich is, you won't get to meet Rich because obviously he's preaching, he's on sabbatical this week, Jerry's preaching, we've got a, a deep bench, Rich is here, well that bum, <laughs> the whole idea is <laughs> you get away, yeah, but Rich loves his people, so uh, and pray for Rich, did the, did the little eraser make its way? Okay. Will swallowed an eraser, and they were in the ER all night this week. Yeah, um, and of course the elders can't uh, pass up a good time to have jokes. You know, uh, <laughs> Jeremiah said, "Well, uh, I'm sure Will will have a lot to digest after this incident." You know, I mean, it's, it went downhill from there. But that was after we realized that he was out of danger. We wouldn't have done that if he was in danger. We're not heartless. <laughs> uh, but Rich started it. He started it. Uh, he did with a really funny joke, but he's here. Uh, we, uh, we offer our staff pastors a sabbatical uh, quarterly. So four times a year, these guys are allowed to disappear for a weekend. Uh, I don't know of any other church that does this. One of the elders started it years ago, and every church I've gone to said, man, I wish our church would do this. It's not for lay elders. It's for staff pastors. And we give these guys a stipend and say, you know, do whatever you want to do. We'd prefer not to see your face here. Um, just relax, enjoy, uh, replenish, um, rejuvenate, do whatever it takes. Um, and I guarantee you, the ladies love it. It gives them something to look forward to. Okay, I'll have my husband that weekend, and, uh, and, and it's going to be fun. We're going to have some fun. So it's just a practical reality that pastors need to replenish, uh, to rejuvenate. 
And so it's a wonderful thing we do here. I'm, I'm really proud of that. Uh, but Rich is here. <laughs> I guess he didn't want to not be here. Um, and, uh, but he loves his people. So that's, I'm sure, why he's here. Uh, okay, so finding a church home is a big deal. We get that. Um, it's one of the most important decisions in life. Uh, I wanted to be in a place where people believe the Bible was true, and I wanted to be in a place where people practice what the Bible said. I found that here. Um, so it was really, really important for me to find a church where I felt safe with uh, biblically qualified leaders at the helm, and we'll go over all of that in, I think, the fourth session. Um, the leadership, First uh, Timothy 3 and Titus 1. We, I wanted a pastor who preached directly from the Bible verse by verse. That's what I saw the first day I was there when Jerry preached. We have a deep bench here too. I mean, we have, our founding pastor is Jerry Marshall. He's preaching today. He will not be able to come in here this time because he's going to be teaching a quick class at 9 o'clock. He's over there now uh, teaching a, a quick class. So I'm bummed about that because his testimony is so compelling. Take him out to lunch. Get to know him. He's a wonderful guy. And the beauty, the beauty about Jerry, uh, I'll brag on him a little bit, is he's, he has uh, a John the Baptist mentality. He must increase, I must decrease. And when Rich came in, Jerry stepped back. And people didn't think it was possible. We had experts tell us, no, no, senior pastor's got to go, got to get out. Say, so, well, you don't know our senior pastor. Ah, we've heard that from, no, no, you don't know our senior pastor. We do. We are not booting him anywhere. He's staying right here and he's serving with his wife. And he's been exactly as we uh, predicted and expected. He's just a guy that steps back. He serves all over the place. In fact, he's come to our elder meeting and said, you guys all, y'all need to understand what the word retirement means because you're not getting it with me. <laughs> you know, I'm working twice as hard. Yes, you are. Uh, but you see a, li a lightness in his step because he doesn't have the burdens of the church anymore, and that's exactly as it should be. So he stepped away from being an elder. So we have Rich, uh, Jeremiah, uh, Bruce, Bruce Scheidhauer, Mark Trinkard, and myself, and we're working with others right now uh, because we need more, more people. That's something you can pray about. So it was really important for me to find a church like that, and it only took me a little bit to come in here, see Jerry, and say, this is my place. And uh, you wouldn't be in this class if you weren't thinking that this is, this is going to be my home, maybe. You're at least checking us out, and I understand that. There is no pressure, by the way. If at the end of this time, and this has happened, people say, no, nah, I'll just keep attending, that's absolutely fine. That's absolutely fine. I'll tell you why. I'll try to hopefully give you some compelling reasons why we think you should be members, but we never force it. Um, you can, we've had people come for years and years. Uh, I think the record was 12. Uh, before they became a member. They finally decided, you know what, <laughs> I think this is a church I want to be in. Uh, you'll, if you ever talk to Jerry, he'll say, yeah, I'm just checking out this church. I'm thinking about joining. <laughs> but we, we, not that long, but we've had people here a long, long time. So there's no pressure. But we do feel like we can make a compelling case why membership is so important, and I hope you'll hear us out. And I want this to be interactive. If you have questions, feel free to ask. Um, so why church membership? Well, we take it seriously. Uh, it's been argued that church membership is not explicitly mentioned in the Bible. Um, so why is it necessary? It's a good question. It's a fair question. Um, but I hope I can answer some of that. And one of the answers that I think is most compelling to that objection is found in Hebrews 13, 17, which says, Obey your leaders and submit to them, for they are keeping watch over your souls. And here's the important part 
as those who will have to give an account. No leader should read that without trembling, as those who have to give an account. Let them do this with joy and not with groaning, for that would be of no advantage to you. And I can tell you, joy always trumps groaning. <laughs> joy always trumps groaning. So that we, we have to give an account, um, but we need to know who we're accountable for. And that's how church membership, uh, come, that's what church membership does for us. Church membership helps us know who we, are, uh, who we as leaders are accountable to God for. And, and that would be those of you who have committed yourselves to us and the leadership through membership. That's the only way we can know who we're accountable to God for. People come and go in churches. They're sporadic attenders at, time, at times. And as Rich said a while ago in his sermon, attending church is not the same as loving the church or the people. Uh, we must make a distinction between those occasional attenders and those who are committed members of the church. Church leaders only have so much time and energy, and that time and energy needs to be primarily focused on those who have made a commitment to the church body through membership. It is quite simply just a practical reality. Um, we can't be accountable for people that come and go. We just, we can't because we don't know you. You have not been accountable to us. So that, I think, is one of the most compelling. We need to know who we're accountable to God for, and membership really does provide that. And this church app, how many of you have the How many don't have the church app? Do not. Okay, well, we'll on your, uh, the church center, I think it's called? Okay, uh, maybe you do not. Okay, uh, that, that is so helpful, such a great connector. Um, so I, uh, Alex will be in the last class if you don't know how to do it or, yeah. And he'll help you with that, all that. But that, I, I highly recommend you get that church app on your phone. It's really, really helpful for uh, keeping in touch with everybody else. So what is a church? Well, people, we have lots of ideas about what a church is, what it is not. Let's talk about what it isn't, all right? Church is not simply a location, a building. It's not a club. It's not a service provider. It's not a voluntary organization where membership is optional. It's not merely a group of people who share an interest in religious things and therefore casually gather weekly to talk about those religious things. Nor is church a place where the customer has most of the authority and the attitude is more what's in it for me? Uh, what can you do for me? Uh, people are doing that all the time. They church hop because they're looking for how they can be served. They're not going, I love it when people walk through those doors. Ruben and Mawas Javier from the Philippines, traveled all over the world, uh, walked into that door. They said, we're planted here in St. Louis for a while. How can we serve? That was like out of his mouth right when he walked in the door. I'm like, oh, bless you. I'm on my knees. People are like, are you, are you worshiping that guy? No, I'm just so happy to see him, you know, I'm grabbing him. I'm, so I love that attitude. Um, he, too, has been an elder in another church. It doesn't surprise me. He understands ecclesiology, which is the study of the church. He gets it. So Christians might think church membership is optional, but it is that it's not that important. And for the Christian, church is not optional. It is not optional, not for the Christian. That unfortunate attitude is reflected in many Christians church hopping. Boom, 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 boom. They don't want to be known. They're hiding. Um, they develop no roots in relationships, no real accountability, um, and they just run, run. Uh, that's, that's the wrong attitude. That is an unbiblical attitude. Uh, you come to church, you come to serve the people. That's why you come. You come because Christ died in your place. You have a common bond 
Look, we're all in the same boat. If you come to Christ, folks, I'm looking at a bunch of really dirty, rotten sinners. And you're looking at me. And this is a hospital for the sin sick. That's what it is. It's not a country club where we, you know, put on our best. And this is the only time I wear a coat, by the way. I feel like I should. If you saw me during the week, you'd, my wife calls me a homeless man. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> cargo shorts, T-shirt, you know, I, I, it's pretty rough. Uh, she walks 10 feet behind me wherever we go. She's classy. <laughs> I'm not. Uh, so, I, you know, it's not, it's, this, uh, this church is for the sin sick, which all of us are. And it's a way where we can uh, uh, um, love Christ better, serve each other more. Uh, that's what a church is. Um, so let's, let's do talk about that. The church, what is it? What is it really? The church is both universal, worldwide, and local. The Greek word for church is ekklesia, um, and it means called out from an assembly, a congregation. It's a group of called out ones. If you're a Christian, God picked you up, plucked you out of the world, and put you in this organization he calls the church. It's a body of believers. It's how he manifests his glory in this on this planet, the church. And he'd done that for you. He plucked you and made you a part of it, uh, of the church. Uh, beautiful. It's a group of called out ones from the world into a living and breathing organization known as the church. The group is called out by Jesus, who said in Matthew 16, 18, I will build my church. Um, the moment a person trusts Christ for the salvation of their soul and turns from their rebellion against God, which is always manifested by a new desire to turn away from sinful living, which is repentance, and believes that Christ died in their place for their sin, that person becomes a called out one. You are now a part of the church, the ecclesia, a Christ follower. Um, you've been called out from the world and placed into this new and living organi organism. So at the point of salvation, by the Holy Spirit's work, believers are made part of the church, joining every other believer that has ever lived throughout the history of mankind. This is known as the universal church. But when Jesus said, I'll build my church, he had much more in mind than a worldwide universal community. The next and only other time he mentions his church is in Matthew 18. And here he's speaking of how to deal with a professing Christian that is living a sinful life. Now, ultimately, the leaders are to tell it to the church. And we will talk about um, holy living, church discipline, all of that in, uh, I think, week three or four. I forget which one, uh, where it's maintaining the reputation of Christ. But in this case, I just want you to see, he says, tell it to the church. Well, he can't mean the universal church. It's not practically possible. A lot of people are dead who are in the church. It's got to be a local church. So that's what he's referring to. Then throughout the rest of the New Testament, local churches are often referred to by their location name, Church of Philippi, Church of Colossae, uh, Church of Ephesus. Uh, so the church is both universal, believers through all time, dead or alive, and local. And each local church is a manifestation of the kingdom of God on earth. New Community Church is a manifestation of the kingdom of God on this earth. We're one of many, but we are that. Uh, so that makes us essential. <laughs> Anybody seen that? The Essential Church? Anybody seen that movie? No? Yeah, it's, it's good. I recommend it. Um, came out after COVID. Uh, some pastors just said, you know what? They, they declared us to be non-essential and they shut down the 
churches, and he said, no, we're, we're not non-essential. We are essential. God says it. That's why we're going to do it. I know you guys have to run. Thanks. Thanks for giving me a heads up. No, you're fine. Okay, our, mer- our, mission, uh, our mission statement declares our purpose succinctly, and it's this, and I think we have that written over on the side here. New Community Church exists to bring glory to God, to make disciples, and to share God's love with our community. Uh, last year, we hired uh, a discipleship pastor, Alex Leonardo and his wife, Cindy, and, and I know some of you got uh, emails from them. And uh, they were hired to make people just like you guys get connected and plugged in to various ministries, uh, all for the purpose of developing disciples who are more Christ-like over time. And, man, they hit the ground running. Uh, we didn't know what a gem we got when we got Alex here. Um, uh, you've heard him preach. You've heard him speak. Some of you at the, at the Forge, he's spoken. He's, uh, he's just wonderful. We love him dearly. Um, um, so... Uh, Alex is doing a fabulous job plugging you guys in to various ministries, and he's an integral piece. Uh, what you'll get to know him on week six in helping us as a church fulfill our purpose stated about previously, that is to bring glory to God, make disciples, share God's love. Now, let me elaborate just a little bit on our stated church purpose. First, new community church exists to bring glory to God. We will do that by his enabling grace as we seek to elevate his character and as your book says, uh, pr- promote honor, praise, and singular devotion to him. A few verses there for you. Secondly, we're to make disciples. Jesus gave us a command in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. <coughs> so how do we do that? Well, first, evangelizing the lost. Um, I, I carry these every day. This is my Spanish one. Yeah, I have Spanish. Because, you know, at McDonald's, there's a lot of Spanish folks. <laughs> so, so I go prepared. Uh, so I got, I got Spanish and I got English. And I, th- I put this in my pocket. Uh, right by, it's right by my wallet. It's, I do that with my phone, my tracks. I highly recommend you guys do that. For those of you that are deathly afraid of sharing your faith, a track is an easy way to do it. You go out to eat, uh, just uh, leave your tip. Don't leave a cheap one or they'll rip up the track. Uh, just leave a tip and, and leave something in there and say, I hope you'll read this. I hope you'll read this. Um, it's a wonderful way to share the gospel. So we try to help people do that. That's one thing we, we try to teach here is help you teach you how to uh, share your faith in a more effective way. But one way is very simple in that, in that track. And they're right outside in that track rack. You can grab them. And if that thing is empty, uh, if that section is empty, they'll fill them. The, lady, the ladies do that, and they stamp the back, put our church name on it on the back. So please take advantage of that. Secondly, we're, we're to make disciples. Jesus gave us a command in Matthew 28, 19, and 20. Go, therefore, make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So I, I think I've already said that. Evangelize the lost. Uh, That's the first thing. Then we're to equip believers by helping them become more and more like Christ, which is the essence of being a disciple. What does it mean to be a disciple? Be like Jesus. Be like Jesus. That's sanctification. Um, That's that's the process whereby you become more and more like Jesus until you arrive. Does that ever happen? This side of heaven? No. I'll help you. (laughs) No. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't completely happen, this side of heaven. But the process is ongoing until you breathe your last. And then you enter into glory, and all of that is over. You're glorified. And 
yeah, it's like a look of relief. Mm -hmm. Yes, and then, and then you're with Jesus. And those of us that are older are looking more and more forward to that day. Uh, we've been beat up in life a lot, right? We've seen the effects of sin all around us, and we see what's, what's happening to the world just yesterday, right? How many of you saw that Israel was attacked? Um, that's a hot spot in the world. Um, we know biblically um, and prophetically that could be a trigger. We don't know this is the trigger, but it could be. Um, but I'm at peace. The Lord is in charge. He's orchestrating his peoples, people, his places, his nations. He is the great puppeteer. We don't have to worry about what's happening. We just have to be faithful. Uh, we have to be faithful. Okay, um, how do you become more like Christ? Well, um, th it happens through personal quiet times. Hopefully you're doing that. Uh, regular church attendance, sitting under the proclamation of God's word, small group interaction. Uh, we really push small groups. Um, I have one. Uh, Sunday morning equipped classes and Bible studies throughout the week. If you have a desire to grow in your faith, and you should, there are multiple opportunities all around you to do just that. You, you don't have, have an excuse. If you want to grow, you can grow here at New Community Church. And our third church purpose statement is to share God's love with our community. Um, your booklet says we live in a sin-stricken, hurting world. That is an understatement. And we try to equip people, uh, our people, to tangibly love and reach out to the lost and hurting people all around them. And that includes helping our people to understand how to present the gospel as well as tangibly expressing sacrificial love both through personal time and personal resources. So we might say it this way. Christ died for us. He sacrificed his life for us. So we want to sacrifice our time, our energy, and maybe, maybe even our lives for the sake of others around us so they might come to know this great God and Savior who has forgiven us of our sin and secured a home in heaven for us. I hope you have a heartbeat for those that are lost around you, even your most annoying neighbor. They need Christ. They need Christ. When they die and close their eyes, they'll be an eternal, eternally lost forever and ever. Develop a mindset that says, no matter how annoying they are, they need Christ. And I'm going to try to present Christ to them any way I can. Uh, that's our purpose statement for our church, and as, we, and as members, we are asking you to make that your purpose statement as well. Also in your booklet under our values is a list of those values that represent uh, the spirit in which we intend to fulfill our stated purpose, and those values are, um, you can see them, I think they're outlined there, loving, welcoming, excelling, teaching, preaching, evangelizing, many others. And I'll let you look at those values and their accompanying verses on your own time. But I do want to uh, mention loving. Uh, it states loving in humility, putting each other's interests ahead of our own. That's the first one. Uh, Jesus is, of course, our best example of loving humility by giving his life for us. Uh, Philippians 2, 1 through 8 is the most compelling example of love in the entire Bible and humility. Um, the God of the, of, uh, of the universe took on a human body and died for you and me. Um, and, and he died a gruesome and horrible death um, so that we wouldn't have to live without him for all eternity. Verse 5 says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't hang on to it. Say, you know, do you know who I am? None of that. None of that. But he emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, 
being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. That is loving humility. He's our perfect example. Perfect example. Romans 12, 9 through 10 says, Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Uh, when Lynn and I come in, I, I'll say this a couple times because, and I say this again, never to pat myself on the back, but because it's been so effective for Lynn and I for many, many years. When we pull up into that parking lot, as we did this morning, annoyed with each other because we had so much to do and I wanted to get here. Don't you see I want to get here and greet these people? Yeah. Oh, Lord, help me. <laughs> we stop and park in that parking lot and we grab each other's hands and we pray. And if there's confession that needs to go on, we do it. If there's repentance, we do it. We don't come in the doors unless we've done something like that. Um, and then we ask the Lord, turn our attention away from ourselves and toward others. Because people who walk through those doors are sometimes absolutely broken. And some of you have walked through those doors. I walk through those doors crushed by life. And, and you, you know, we, we're asking you to turn away from yourself when you walk through those doors and turn toward the others. And if you're somebody you don't know, just say, hi, I'm so, just a smile might be what they need that morning. You just don't know what people are experiencing. And I don't know your lives. And some of you, perhaps, are so crushed, you're not, you can't possibly think about others yet. That's okay. I was that way. I couldn't think about others. I was in too much pain. So that's okay. But when you get past that point, you want to get to a point where you're like, I want to help others. I want to turn to others. I want to get outside of myself. And Lynn and I come in that way. We walk through those doors. We kind of part. And then just start going around the room. And we look for faces we don't know. We look for people we don't know. We introduce ourselves. Sometimes it winds up uh, putting my arm around some guy um, not too long ago, his, his sister had died. He was crushed by that. And we just prayed right there in, in the mm -hmm. lobby. And you might have that opportunity too. The Lord uses you if you want to be used. So, so I, I recommend it. Before you walk in the door, pause in your car. If you have a, a spouse to, whose hand you can grab, or if not, doesn't matter, grab the hand or just pray, Lord, turn my attention away from myself. Turn it to the others. I want to serve others. That's what Jesus did, and he's our example. The church, churches get into trouble when members insist on their own way. If humility reigns in a church, that church will be a Christ-exalting church. And our church culture must pulsate with this truth, that none of us are owed anything from God except judgment. You, you, don't ever scream for justice. You don't want justice. You need mercy. Um, None of us are owed anything from God except judgment. We will be a thankful and others-centered body of believers when that truth prevails. No selfish sense of entitlement. We all hate entitlement, right? We see it in others. We just don't see it in ourselves. But no selfish sense of entitlement will permeate a wall of loving humility. God owes us nothing that you start there, and then everything else is up. Uh, but he's given us everything. So humbly believe that and work, work through that. So becoming part of the universal church happens the moment you believe uh, in Christ. Um, uh, 
assuming you can be a part of a local church or not be a part of a local church, and Jerry Marshall has let the people out early. Rex, have you ever, never, mark it down, he's sick, he's sick, yeah, right, all right, I am shocked, all right, all right, I've got just a few more things to say, uh, wow, um, no part two, um, he is, maybe he forgot half his sermon, yeah, right, all right, <laughs> maybe he did that, uh, well, all right, so um, biblically qualified leaders will be servant leaders, not dictators. We're going to talk more about that. Um, Jesus said, I'll build my church. The, gate, the gates of Hades will not overpower it. Uh, he will create his church, develop his church, preserve his church, and ensure its success. Um, and so uh, all of those things are true, and I... Um, I want you to know as members of a local church, you're to come <laughs> under the authority that Christ himself established in that church. Uh, I don't say that to be self-serving. I say it because it's biblical. That's what the Bible says. Um, but the authority is delegated by him to biblically qualified church leaders known as elders. And we are to live under and within the authority of the church and its biblically qualified leadership. And I say it's not a dictatorship. Uh, no. Hopefully you'll see in the five guys that lead this church, servants' attitudes. That's hopefully what you'll see. If you don't, call us out. Call us out. Um, I want you to know something else about our men. Um, we, we want this church, and you'll see it later, we want this church to be a transparent church. We want this church to be open, honest, and real. Uh, if you're struggling with sin, you need to talk to somebody about that, and they need to talk to you. Uh, we need to hold each other accountable. We do that at the top. Um, the, the elders pair off every month and we ask three questions. How's your marriage? How's your devotional life? What have you looked at that you shouldn't be looking at? Anything this month that we need to talk about. So we do it there and we ask everybody to do that uh, in the church. How's your marriage? Uh, how's your purity life? How's your devotional life? Um, but you can't do that if you're not involved. Uh, so you want to be involved. All right, so um, uh, next week we'll talk about a commitment to unity, which is primarily doctrine. Then we'll talk about the following week, a uh, commitment to the reputation of Christ, which is uh, church discipline and personal holiness. We'll talk about that. Then the commitment to being led, uh, who, who are we, and a commitment to loving the church. We spend two weeks on that, on a commitment to loving the church. Guys, thanks so much for being here. Let me close with a word of prayer, which I didn't open with. I apologize. Uh, let me close with a word of prayer. Thank you, Lord, for this time. This is your church. Um, these are your people. Lord, I pray that you'll help uh, us as elders and, and deacons to um, responsibly, lovingly, um, honoring to you, take care of these folks. Um, Lord, it's a big task. Please help us. And Lord, help these folks here as they think about whether or not this is going to be their church. Help them to think clearly and uh, make that decision. Um, there are lots of churches in town. We know that. We're not the only one in town. And uh, we're not the only church that honors you and preaches your word. We're not that. Uh, but if they've decided to stay here, Lord, help us, please, to take care of them and to um, hold them accountable and uh, nurture them. Please help us. Um, I pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all for being here. See you next week. Thank you.